This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is brought to you by Fisher Skis. Why does it feel so dark in here today? Um, hello, my name is Adam Jabber, and this is the Out of Bounds Podcast. We have a great episode for you today, as usual. Um, Michelle Parker's on the show. She's one of my favorite people. Um, she's so insightful, so thoughtful about not just skiing, because um, we actually don't talk very much about skiing at all. Um, the mountain bike side of things, photography, um, and athlete pay, athletes in general. I mean, it, this was a really good conversation, and I always enjoy having Michelle on, but um, this is, a, to me, this is an episode of the year contender, um, and I think her personality really shines through, and her excitement for the sport, even after being like a vet uh, in it, is is insane to me. And the way that she looks to give back, the way that she looks to progress women's sports, and the way that her career is changing as she gets older is is crazy to me. Like she's looking to produce stuff, she's looking to be involved with everything going on, including Red Bull Formation, which is something we talk about quite a bit. Uh, yeah, so great episode with Michelle, as always. Thank you to her. Uh, I can't uh, can't thank her enough for coming on the show and being such a big supporter of what we do. Uh, that's a thing I would have never thought would happen. So thank you, Michelle, as always. Um, before we jump into the episode, a couple housekeeping things. Uh, if you are not a subscriber of the YouTube, do that, please. That is extremely important to us. It's extremely important to the growth of the show. Uh, we're putting a lot of time and a lot of effort into this side of things, and I think you'll notice the audio quality is better. The audio quality is better because I'm in this box. I'm in this room where I can focus having conversations, and I can't run away from my mic, and Ethan controls everything in the back, and it's uh, it's great, and the studio's rad. So uh, if you want to watch it from multiple different angles, it's not just a Zoom situation. It is, uh, it is the whole deal. Um, this week we'll have some separated segments in the YouTube as well. So different topics, you can kind of pick and choose what you want to listen to on that end of things. Uh, obviously if you are listening on the audio version, keep doing that as much as you want. That's obvious. That's what brings us home, uh, the bacon, so to speak. Um, so do that. Uh, there are new hoodies on the website. So if you're interested in getting a collective hoodie, they are super clean. The logos look great. Uh, obviously we're getting into the warmer months, but Figured better to have some hoodies on hand, uh, especially for those like cooler summer nights. Perfect. Um, and honestly, like I just work out in a hoodie all the time because I'm a psychopath and I feel like it's, it's the right way to start a workout, right? It's like sweaty, warm, whatever. Um, and then we also have a special episode coming out tomorrow uh, with Mr. Adam X and Michaela Gatto. Uh, so that's a huge one. Be sure to listen to that one. Subscribe to the YouTube for that one. Uh, their conversation is insane. I was sitting in the back listening to it, and I'm just like, this is this is amazing to listen to. Like, as a listener, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, Ethan said the same thing. And normally we hate hearing each other talk because we talk to each other too much. So uh, that's great. Also, last thing I'm going to ask of you is... Uh, subscribe to the newsletter. Uh, you can do that on the collective site, on the podcast site, whatever. But we've got tons of new reviews coming out um, that like blog posts, thought pieces, all that stuff. Thought pieces like people don't think when they write anyway. I mean, some people don't think when they write anyway, but that's what Twitter's for, not uh, blog situation. So uh, be sure to check all that stuff out. Subscribe to the newsletter if you want discount codes and 
I don't know, deals on stuff and vintage hat drops and all that kind of shit, you can get um, on the newsletter. Just had a full brain shutdown for a second there. Uh, last thing before we get into the show, as usual, sponsors. Uh, we have a ton of great par- partners lately. A ton of people are getting behind what we do. And one of those people, one of those groups uh, is Mirror Energy. Mirror Energy has been a great supporter of the show. Can't be happier to have them. Uh, they make super good for you, good tasting um, energy gels, hydration mixes. Uh, they even have subscribe packs, so you can subscribe and get that stuff just continuously delivered to you. So if you're an athlete type and you'd like to actually have what you need in front of you instead of going to a store and buying it, uh, it is uh, subscription packs are the way to go. You can do all kinds of merch that they have on their site. That hat's actually pretty dope. I would like one of those. Lauren, if you're listening, I want one of those hats. Um, yeah, this stuff is great. Uh, this stuff is, is rad. Um, blueberry bergamo is still my favorite color, but I got to tell you this cacao almond mate fire, fire, big fire. Um, strawberry is really good too. Lemon cashew is really good. There's a ton of really good flavors. Um, so yeah, check out mirror energy. You can use promo code out of bounds to save 10% on your purchase. Please check them out support a company that's actually doing things right there's like five ingredients in these things so um vegan organic paleo gluten-free non-gmo those are not ingredients fyi but like this one for example is cashew butter coconut palm nectar which sounds good like some of that uh blackstrap molasses vanilla extract and pink himalayan salt organic um so once again use promo code out of bounds save 10 percent off that'll be in the show notes Thank you for uh, your support, Mirror Energy. Uh, next, we have a mutual sponsor of Michelle Parker's and I. Michelle, Michelle and I's, uh, I don't know how to say that, but it's <laughs> darn tough. Darn tough makes the best socks in the entire world. There's no argument. There's no discussion. We don't need to have that discussion. They make socks for everything, whether it's skiing, hiking, running, bike, uh, putting on your hands, and I don't know, making sock puppets. This is the best company to buy socks from. Ever. Um, why is it the best company? Because they are merino wool, they're comfortable, they are they fit extremely well. There's great, great patterns and options and all this stuff. The feel of the socks is the best. Um and they're made in Vermont. Like that's to me, that's made in Vermont. Like they are made like the factory, by the way, is so insane. There's like a bunch of little fucking bibu bops going around. And, uh, and I like, I was blown away when I was there. They have a full on production and it's crazy to see a company like darn tough make, like actually make this, this whole sock game thing work to such an extent that they have, um, they even have a partnership with men. Like they have a sock for men's health, like the, oh, men's health won an award. They won an award for men's health. I'm like, what? There's a men's health club. Um, although those covers are terrible. Can we just talk about the men's health covers? Like they're always awful. It's always like some actor that got shredded for a movie and he's just like trash um anyway these (laughs) these socks are rad i actually run these number two micro um a lot um and we have a really weird thing going on with darn tough coming out very soon in collaboration with high fives i can't give you all the details yet but it's disgusting for me um but it should be entertaining for you guys and I'm very psyched about it. Like it'll, and actually, it might not be as gross as we think, considering the socks that I'll be wearing. But um, <laughs> I, can't, I, I'm, I can't wait. I really can't wait. 
Um, darn tough, darn tough.com. There's a link on the website if you want to click that and go through it that way, but just go buy some socks. Go get some darn toughs. There's, I mean, there's really not that much more to it. Like, look at that. There's a skunk on it. Like, just go buy a sock. Um, thank you for listening to the show. As always, uh, that was kind of a ramble one. That was kind of a long one. My apologies. I hope you don't hate my voice that much. I, I guess if you hated my voice that much, you wouldn't be listening to the show. Hey there. Do you like smoking things that are green? Didn't know we'd get to that question. Um, Dangle Supply Company has you covered with the very best in smoking devices. Okay, what does that mean? They are bongs, pipes, whatever, like the <laughs> wizard sticks, which are like, the, I wish I had one near me. They're like big looping pipe situations. Uh, all titanium. They're insanely nice. They were, and they're so light, which is the craziest part about it. Uh, you can save 15% off of the very best uh, outdoor smoking product, outdoor smoking devices. What do they call these things? What is it called when you use a device for something? I don't know. Um, it's a word that I'm looking for that I can't think of right now. They also have some of the coolest merch that's out there. Um, I really like, I've been using all of that stuff. I've been using whatever those little bags are called um, where you hold all your stuff in them. Those are great. Uh, coffee mugs every day. Um, and obviously the more important product that's out there. Um, you can go to danglesupply.com and save 15% off of your purchase with the code ding dong dangle bong, all lowercase ding dong dangle bong shows you what kind of company they are. If they give us a code like that, ding dong dangle bong, um, check them out. They're, they're amazing. And it's just a cool company. Like you're high outside. What else do you want? So, uh, thank you very much to our friends at Dangle Supply. Uh, without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Michelle Parker. Well, Michelle, uh, people know who you are. People are, I don't know, tell people who you are. Do the whole bit. Michelle Parker, who are you? What do you do? Et cetera, et cetera. Right on. My name is Michelle Parker. I am first and foremost a professional skier. And I've been on this podcast before, and I remember <laughs> that my answer was pretty blanket statement and uh, maybe too media trained up. So to go into a bit more detail, I'm a passionate biker, climber, photographer. I love reading books. I love collecting books. I like cooking and my priorities in life are <laughs> based around my family, I'd say, and my closest friends in building community. Yeah, I love that. For a minute, you were like my prime example of like the cookie cutter. Yeah. This is who I am. I am Michelle Parker. And this is what I do. Like, this is my career. And it was, I mean, it's fine. Like, that's not a bad thing. But this, I like this answer better, I think, because it encompasses who you are a little more. I also, I have a question before we get it. We're going to talk about bike stuff and photography and like maybe some other formation and all that stuff. What, what is the hat situation? Can we talk about the Red Bull hat? Why did you start wearing these hats? Like for a reason, I, like this specific style of hat that you're wearing right now is basically a Michelle Parker trademark. Like, if we're being honest, like you are, like I don't know. If I, if you ask me what hat Michelle is wearing without looking at you, without seeing, I would, I would assume that it's this style hat, which I don't even know what it's called. So, can we, can we talk about that for a second? 
Yeah, I don't know. I think traditionally the Red Bull cap is like a baseball cap, like a new era cap. And for me, like I love to be expressive with what's on my head. To be honest, I think (laughs) I have like a pretty decent hat collection. Lots of bucket hats these days, some cowboy hats. Um, But this hat stuck with me over the years. And I also have this obsession with like using stuff until it's bitter end. Mm. And so this one's coming back into the rotation a lot more lately. I love it. I got this one. Well, bad hair day, probably, but I think I got this one in Portland, um, made by Gorin Bros, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. And then Red Bull's been kind enough. I got the patch on there, but yeah, sometimes I like to customize my own hats to fit my style. Are they cool with that? They just like let you patch whatever, or you got to get it approved? Like, is that, what's that like, like? Um, I think there's some gray area there for sure. There's like, I mean, I can't put it on the lime green, uh, colorway. That would be too monster. You're not allowed to put it on the color black. I'm not entirely sure about that, but yeah, I tried to stick within the guidelines for sure, Okay, but I am appreciative of being able to express myself. (laughs) I I love that. Um, yeah, I think as you mentioned, I don't think people know that you are your mountain bike, Michelle, you are photographer, Michelle, you, I mean, you do so many things and I'm just like looking through your recent Instagram posts and which by the way, you are wearing that same hat in your Instagram photo and your profile photo. Um, but what, like, talk to me a little bit about what excites you about photography and then we'll kind of get into the mountain bike aspect of it a little more. Yeah, totally. I think, you know, in high school, my art elective that was required to be taken, we had a really amazing, uh, dark room. And so I took photography for like four years and I had this wonderful aunt named Lindsay and she was a professional photographer and was famously made like these beautiful, amazing self portraits. She's since passed. She had a combination of a bunch of different mental diseases. Um, but when she was kind of, she got me my first like proper camera, 35 millimeter with film and sent me a ton of film. And I like was able to use the dark room all throughout high school. I was really psyched on that. And then kind of more or less forgot about it after high school. Like I was always taking photos on my travels to document that and always passionate about it. But then in dating Aaron Blatt, who's a professional photographer, he gave me this Contax T2, which is a little film camera. It's kind of like the first really nice uh, point and shoot camera. It had a Carl Zeiss lens. It takes amazing photos. They're really expensive nowadays and they're hard to get fixed. Mine has since broken, but the only film I had on hand was for my aunt Lindsay that mm. she had given to me before she passed. So I had like a rack of this like old somewhat expired some of the stuff they didn't even make anymore and when he gave me that camera I was like I'm gonna shoot photos but every time I clicked the shutter it was like this really meaningful like this is Lindsay's film I want to make this a beautiful photo Mm. and when we started getting the photos back from the lab up in Portland Aaron was like holy shit like I never shot that camera like that like I would take it to the bar and like shoot these fun photos but like I never took it seriously he's like you need to have this camera this is for you and so I started getting way more into film and trying out all the different films and like I don't have a dark room to work in anymore but there's all these rad photo labs in Portland that I use and furthermore made that book Goldie as kind of like I don't know I look at other action sports and I try to take inspiration from what they do and like I was noticing on a post you did on Twitter I was like oh we have some of the same like coffee table books but a lot of my coffee table books are like from photographers in the snowboard world or climbing world or whatever. And they just have these beautiful photo books to express their work. And so there's so much of that coming out in the snowboard industry. Like I collect them. I'm like, these are so cool. It's like a piece of that person and they're putting their hard work into it and they maybe make 500 copies. And so that kind of inspired me to make Goldie, which, um, Anon helped 
produce and I made 500 copies. I still have some that I need to sell, but basically all the profits went to protect our winners. And that was like kind of a big project for me. I was like, okay, this is, I'm making a book and I like have very minimal words in there, but it's all photos. And it was a really fun process. And I think that just helped like spur my creative influence within photography. And then obviously dating Aaron, like I have so much respect for his work and what Mm -hmm. he does and his path to get there as well. Like he went to school for design and has a really beautiful, amazing natural eye, but he's definitely been teaching me a ton. And, and, and furthermore, like when I went to formation the first year, I was like, what can I do to like help out? And so we brought originate there. We filmed an episode. I ran production. I also felt like if I wasn't the athlete, I had like infinite amount of energy to give to them to support them Mm. so like hiking their bikes building and then I was like I'm gonna shoot photos and Aaron gave me his cameras at the time and I shot a ton of photos and I was really fired up on it and more or less just like my passion was driven from making the features they were riding look the craziest because it was it's hard to capture that in a photo and also just like having something to give to them afterwards that I was proud of that like showcased their work in the best way and I think to this day like I'm not a paid photographer I don't get paid to go out there and shoot that but damn right I'm running around trying to get the best (laughs) angles I'm like I'm gonna go on rappel for this one and like set up a rope and drop in to get the steepness and capture that like I love it so much it's it's my way of interacting with them and after knowing a lot of them for a super long time like I feel pretty comfortable it's helping me build my confidence in that space too yeah you're fucking crushing it they look so good like there's so many great photos that you have that you took even a formation this like they're it's crazy I'm I'm psyched I was just scrolling through your Instagram a little while ago and I was like holy shit I didn't even realize because my plan was to just talk to you about your mountain biking formation progression that kind of stuff and then I'm like oh fuck she's actually like a really good photographer like holy shit that's great I'm like I'm psyched it's uh it's such a weird thing to me that people like have this perspective that comes through in a camera that anybody can buy right that that's what's so cool about photography to me is like it's so unique in the sense that it's somebody's perspective right and it comes through even though everybody can basically just use the same tool and go out and do you know the same thing but yeah have their own, I don't know, have their own spin on it. Yeah, totally. And I think a photograph too, like to dive into it deeper, like there's some photos that I have that like are such cherished memories. And I found that recently, even like I shot one wedding in my life and it was friends of ours. And, um, I remember I was so nervous cause you got to get the kiss. You, you're like, I would go into the bride's room and then, uh, Aaron would go with the grooms like before they were getting ready. And I was like, this is like high pressure. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not a professional. And I remember taking this photo of my friend and her grandma having this beautiful like moment and they both looked amazing and the light was perfect. And I, I gave them to it. And I was like, I'm done. Like, that's the photo that I had to get. Yeah. And since then her grandmother passed away. And that fo- that photo has been like such a big part of their family. And like, mm. I don't know, that like means the world to me. Like when you can give someone something that like is meaningful, I think that's really cool too. I think often like I focus on the high action and all that stuff, but now I'm looking for those in-between moments too, to like capture those moments that are like, you'll forget about them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very, you make a good point. Like that's a very underrated part about photography is like people don't realize that maybe you should just take photos all the time. Like, I, I don't know, like on trips, it's it's funny. Like, you look back at the stuff that you take, you're like, oh, I didn't take nearly enough. Like, we did so many things, and, like, you feel like you're shooting all the time, and you'll go and you'll look, and there's, like, not 
you never feel like you have enough photos. You never feel like you've done enough in that sense. And I guess that's a very, it's a very unique feeling to have is like, you wish you captured that moment more often. Yeah. Yeah. Photos are cool. I really enjoy it. It's, it's also like totally inspired by the fact that there's like a serious lack of photographers that can get to the places in the mountains that Mm. we ski. Yeah. And being in those places and having that passion, I'm like, Oh, like what if there's like, there could be a female Jimmy Chin. Like, yeah. you could do this. like, I don't know. I'm definitely thinking in the future, like I'm building my resume. <laughs> Mostly love- it's female biking right now, but like, yeah. <laughs> I-, I love that. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. That Jimmy Chin book is so good. There's so many things. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I have it like behind me. It's, it's nuts. I, yeah, uh, too. So, wow. yeah, for sure. Where, where can people buy Goldie, by the way? Like, I, I don't know. I haven't even seen you post about it. I don't think, I mean, maybe I'm not paying attention enough. Like I, I feel like I haven't seen it anywhere. So where can I buy it? Where can people buy it? It used to be on the protect our winners website. Um, and I have just a stack of them. I don't know if it's there anymore. They might've sold out, but I have a stack. I've been thinking about just, I don't have like a shipment store or anything pretty unorganized on that, but maybe selling them through Instagram and then profits going to pal. Maybe right. I'll do that soon. You're well, let me know. Me. Let me know. I'll buy one right. I'll buy one right now. Don't sell them before you let me buy one. Um, okay. Um, questions about formation. Questions about mountain biking. First of all, I didn't realize that you were as good of a mountain biker as you are. Like you seem like you're very good at riding mountain bikes, and I had no clue. Is this a common surprise for people? Like people just know that you're Michelle Parker, the skier, and then they realize like, okay, she can actually fucking ride a mountain bike. <laughs> this is like kind of newer in my life. I feel like also yeah. like I started biking, uh, maybe 10 years ago and I was scared shitless every time I went out <laughs> and I kept like eating crap and being like, Oh man, this sport is like really crazy. Yeah. And then the more and more I got into it. Like I like giving myself these goals in the summertime to like, yeah, honestly coming off knee injuries. My first goal was I signed up for Rebecca's private Idaho. It's a hundred mm. mile gravel race. And I was like, I've never ridden a hundred miles on my bike. Like that's going to be wild. So I kind of dipped into the gravel race, like scene a little bit enough to see it. I, I started at the start gate with like my backpack on with all these snacks and everything. And Rebecca's like, what's up with the backpack? And I looked around and no one else had a backpack. She's like, there's aid stations. And I was like, I don't know my shovel and prober in there. Like I'm just used to this, but, um, I digress. Anyways, I got really into every aspect of biking, much like I am in skiing. I feel like, like I started with park racing, whatever. And I did the death ride in Tahoe. That's another like 130 plus mile ride. That one is pretty crazy. That was the hardest one I've ever done. And then last year I was like, I'm going for trans Cascadia. Like I enduro style racing would be my passion if I were going to like actually race my bike and mean it. And so I signed up for that. And yeah, the whole year leading up to that, like got my first pass at North star, um, at the downhill park and just I really love riding my bike. It's so much fun. It's just like skiing to me and now catching airs and like hitting drops and stuff. I'm like, Oh, this goes like, yeah. this is happening. Yeah. It's- so I really dig it. The trans Cascadia leveled me up. Like that made me so much more confident on my bike. I went through all the feels during that race. Like I was scared. I was sad. I was like, <laughs> I want to win. And then I was like, what the hell? The season's coming up, like crashing every stage. It was a total amazing experience. Oh, that's so <laughs> sick. That's so cool that you're like, I think people will really appreciate hearing that because everybody kind of goes through the same phase where they're like, oh my God, this is so scary. Then they do something really hard that's not necessarily scary, but it's just really, really difficult. And then they start doing the scary stuff and then they progress to the next thing. And then they're like fully 
like full blown addicted to it. Yeah, totally addicted to it. Like I'm starting to get to the point where like, yeah, I get like nervous, but like rolling into a lot of stuff, I just have the confidence. And I'm like, oh, this is how it feels to be like competent on your bike. Like this is pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Had the skills from skiing translated at all to mountain biking? And I ask this a lot to athletes that do both. And I feel like the answers are always all over the place. It's, you know, it's not one of those questions that I feel like everybody kind of has the same answer. So for you, did, were there certain aspects that translated? The mindset for sure. Like being an athlete and wanting to hit something and being scared and having fear and working through that and figuring it out. And for me too, like I'm the style of athlete, like, first of all, longevity is the most important thing to me. I'm not like a huck it kind of a person. I, I don't like crashing. I've had too many injuries. So I take baby steps and I work into it and I like try to find a process that works for me, but that's like the mindset totally relatable. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. I, it's, it's very, uh, for me, I never feel like it translates at all. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm more confident on a bike probably than I am on skis just because it feels, I don't know. It feels like you're more in control for some reason. It's like the crashes are bigger and you crash more often on a bike, but ski injuries just hit different like literally like they're just like they feel more permanent they feel like they're gonna like hit you for a long especially like acl mc like doing knee stuff is terrifying to me that that part i can never get out of my head skiing but on the mountain bike side it it feels yeah i mean you're gonna get banged up all the time but it's really not that often that it's like catastrophic injury right it's like no like people don't commit that's always when it happens is when people yeah. aren't willing to like set their mindset to it right where they're where they're ready to actually go for it. Skill wise, I don't I, I feel like mountain biking has that barrier where people are they're actually scared, right? So people are more cautious about what they do and they're like, this is out of my level. Like I rode with the other Adam yesterday and he's like fully cap- like he's a good athlete, great skier. But he goes mountain biking and he's like, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm not doing that roll. I'm not doing that drop. And I don't care. You guys can do it. It doesn't change anything for me. And that's totally fine. But he's like, I know my limits and I know if I go above them, I'm going to, I'm going to get hurt. You know, like it's, it's just where it is. Yeah, totally. I think you're right. Like you can look at a feature and there's usually a walk around. You don't have to hit it. Right. Where in skiing, sometimes you're like, well, I kind of got to hit this. I'm here now. Kind of got to go down. Like I don't have a choice. I'm not going to go around and walk. Right. Like you have to, you have to go down. It's, uh, it's very different in that sense for sure. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about formation. Um, you've been going since year one. Is that right? Like, I mean, since the first one. Yeah, totally. I was there at the meeting we had when Katie, Katie reached out to me and she's like, we're meeting with Red Bull about this event we want to do. Do you want to join us? And I was like, yes, for sure. I believe in this event. And so we sat down, it was at a rampage before formation was started and pitched the idea. And, uh, it took some greasing for sure, but (laughs) they bought into it. And then the second year they were like, Whoa, y'all like really came out and, and showed us that this is a viable way. And this is like, now they're fully in and it's so cool. Yeah. And that first year that, I mean, obviously now too, but that first year you couldn't have come out with a better crew of people. You had like Tawny Seagrave, uh, Vero Sandler, uh, Hannah, like, I mean, that's, it's so insane to me that that's the crew that they started with. Like that event was set up for success after you guys actually made it happen. Right. I think initially there's probably some hesitation, but I mean, that's, that's the right crew of people to bring to kick something off. 
totally. And I credit Katie with those choices, <clears throat> especially Berg. Like finding Hannah, she was the dark horse. She had like the least amount of sponsorship. And then she showed up and dropped in. Like, I remember we were like, I was like helping girls push their bikes up. And I was like, whoa, that's Hannah up there. She's like lining up the biggest feature on her run. Yeah. And she hit it like as we were all walking up. And and I think that's just her way. She's like, I want to like start this thing off with a bang and show mm-hmm. everyone that it's possible. And like, she's done that pretty much every year. She's like up there first, like, let's go. It's so cool to watch. It's so insane. And even when I was talking to her, I'm like, Hannah, do you not understand how good you are at riding bikes? Like, and she's like, no, 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 like this, my, I got it. She's just like not willing to say that like, she's actually the shit at riding a bike. <laughs> like she's progressing not single-handedly, but like she could progress women's mountain biking by herself because of how good she is. Like she's such a talented rider and a talented skier, but like such a talented mountain biker that it's insane. And she's only been doing it for, I don't know, six, seven years, something like that. Like it's, it's yeah. so crazy. <laughs> it's, so crazy. It's a trip to me, but I think I agree with you. Like she's so graceful and humble. She would never admit that like <laughs> she's created this wave of change, but I do think that she has, had so much influence on everyone just making like, if you see it, you can believe it. And she's just like out there being the one, like, yeah, I'll drop into this. Yeah. What? Yeah. Like you watch, you watch a Hannah Bergman, uh, crash reel and you're just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, are you, how are you alive? Like, this is so crazy. She's, uh, yeah. And I'm literally last week or two weeks ago, I was trying to like pull stuff out. I'm like, Hannah, like, do you realize how good, like, why are you not getting this? And she's just like, I don't know. Like, I just like riding my bike. Okay. Yeah. Like, okay. So humble. She's like, I'm just gonna go dig dig these trails and ride, but like not yeah, she's so humble, it's wild. Um so what was different about this year's how did the event go? Like kind of give people a quick recap of what what the experience was like for you. Yeah, so the first year we had six athletes come out and then that grew. I can't remember how many were there last year, but this year we had 12. So that number of athletes that are like capable and super down to be there grew substantially, like doubled in size, which I think that's the first notable thing is like, it's catching on. And then like, furthermore, all the diggers that were involved, a lot of them like want to be formation riders down the line so they can come out and get that experience. But then like after the event goes down, a lot of them go ride the line. So they're totally capable too. So that's really cool to see. But the difference, the separator for me this year, watching them ride was like, they were linking their runs top to bottom all the way to the finish corral and adding tricks in there too. Like mm. Robin Gooms, she did the suey off this huge drop into a backflip off the last jump. She did another, I'm actually not well rehearsed on like different tricks, but on the lily pad, she did like the leg over the seat thing and then back over. Oh yeah, um, can can? <laughs> what is that called? Can can? Is it? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what, maybe she called it. Some, I mean, I don't know. I don't know exactly what she did, but yeah, can can is, that's at least what they call it in BMX. It's like you kick your leg over the top tube. Yeah. 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 And then land like that all side saddle and it looked so sick, but yeah, they were linking their runs, which were like really technical. Like we were on the 2015 rampage site. So not that far off from here. And some of the features were massive. Like Via hit this hit that Andreu hit in 2015 for his second place run. And she was hitting that thing like full confidence. She unfortunately got injured, but she was the only injury that happened. But yeah, just linking the technical lines, like, the stuff off the top to what Hannah and Casey rode was so wild, like yeah. really difficult as your first hit, you know, your first feature. So while 
watching them like put it all together. That's a step up. Last year there was hiccups. Like some of the lines didn't connect all the way. They never made it down to the finish corral. Like this year I was like, whoa, this is like, this is, is starting to be like rampage. Yeah. And that's, that was like the biggest difference to me. Yeah. Is that like, is that the goal long-term for an event like this is to make it like at that same level? And I guess I, I always wonder too, in that same notion like is the timing why the timing difference right like i mean rampage is not it's in the fall right why yeah why the timing difference for the women's event and the men's event like i never necessarily understood that so much totally i think well i guess there's a couple questions there but the goal is it for it to be like this incubator event and i don't want to speak on behalf of katie holden too much but she actually used to be a pro rider and was yeah. trying to qualify for rampage and wanted to see women on that platform and she had an injury and it was like back when you could do a video entry and she had an injury while filming that video that ultimately took her out mm -hmm. and so she's like that's always been the goal like we want women there and um and so she created this event to kind of give like a platform for everyone to come together and feed off of each other in this terrain it's like the alaska of mountain biking like yeah. you need that experience i think to gain the knowledge and the the skill set to like ride that stuff and now it's starting to show like three years into the event which is four years because we skipped covid year but yeah. like it's starting to show that the progression is there and that experience is paying off even down to like digging and building that stuff like it's pretty technical like i build a lot of jumps in the snow but like figuring out on dirt or like how you pick yeah. through the rock whatever it may be and and we're like resurrecting these lines basically but yeah it's kind of this incubator for all these ladies to get together and i think there's been a lot of stuff sparked from it like casey brown had her own event hannah bergman with hang time yep. um women are invited to dark fest in south africa and, and and all over the place and and women are improving grounds now like there's been a lot that spurred from it and i think that was the ultimate goal i think oh in inclusion and in movie parts too like mostly yeah. tgr has had a lot of women in their videos so so that was kind of the goal. It's never going to be a competition, but I think that it also deserved its own time of the year to like stand out from mm -hmm. Rampage. And then, yeah, furthermore, like, I think that is the goal. Like, why wouldn't we have women in that event? And I think it's going to happen pretty soon as well. Like, yeah, to me, like, this is the hottest thing in mountain biking right now. Formation totally. in yeah. my eyes, I think it's getting a ton of press and a ton of media and, and uh, it's pretty cool to see that grow. And I think it would, it would be awesome. I think it would like help, help rampage, reach a wider audience and bring more people in if they added women for sure. No, it totally does. I, I, I can't see a reason why not. And I guess uh, you make a good point. I think having it at its own time of the year does give the spotlight a hundred percent to the women. And that's really cool. I just, I, I don't know. I, I guess I just wonder because rampage is like live, right? People watch it live all the time. Formation is like the production. I feel like it's watched the most after the fact, right? Like that's really what yeah. the end goal is, is to see what gets cut together afterwards. Right. And I think once it starts to get to that level where you can run the event live all the time, that's when it's like, you start having that conversation of like, okay, Hey, Casey Brown, for example, or, Hannah or I don't know anybody can just go and just compete in rampage right yeah. it's not just like the stepping stone so to speak it's it's actually the exact same shit and some of the lines that they're doing are fucking so insane like I saw some of Tidwell's photos and I'm just like holy shit like it's so yeah. it's so crazy it's real and I think there's a lot of build up to that though too like just to throw women at the event like 
they wouldn't have the amount of time to prepare for that and to understand like everything that goes into that now mm. after three years and now they're fil- we're filming this stuff too but right. like they always ask me the question like i'll go up and hike the lines and be like up there with a lot of the athletes and they're like what makes you go like how do you get the confidence to drop in and i'm like whoa after like 20 years of filming basically in my career straight up it's that countdown when they're like michelle's dropping in 10 all of my focus and attention, like the second they say one or dropping, I'm going. And there's like nothing that's going to get in my way. Like I've already made my mind up on what I'm doing. And then I tell them that and I'm like, oh, you've never like really filmed before though. Like that's like, like I need someone to count me in to jump into cold water. Like yeah, <laughs> when right, I right. say three, two, one, I'm going no matter what if you want me to get, if you want to get me to do anything, just do that. But yeah. Like they, they need that rehearsal. It's like a dress rehearsal. Like yeah. you gain that experience. Like, okay, you got to wait. It's live TV. You have to wait for the the cameras to be in position and for us to be ready. And when we say go, you have a slotted amount of time. Like that's just additional pressure. If yeah. you like threw them in the contest before preparing them, I think it'd be not the best. I don't think it'd be the best showing of their talent, for but sure. now sure. like having worked into it and you're gaining this experience and you're figuring out the filming side of things and the TV and the building, like, all of those pieces, those puzzle pieces are going to come together. And when they do drop in, it's going to be like pretty darn impressive because they've had the right stepping stones to get there. Yeah. And I guess I, even I didn't think about that at all is like the preparation aspect that goes into it and that the platform and the ability to have that experience hasn't really been there for women in the past. Like it's just mountain biking is behind skiing in that respect. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean this with all due respect, but I've always said since the year one of formation, when I got to know everyone and have these sidebar conversations about where my mountain biking is, I'm like, Oh, y'all are like 10 years behind as far as like equality in my mind with like women and men and like how the sport's going like straight up 10 years behind it's starting to happen. And I think formation and these events are like helping that progress happening, happening faster. Like this is the fastest I've ever seen a sport grow with progression in my life. Like it's so cool to witness it, but the industry, I mean, it's going to take a little bit of time for them to catch up, but like a lot of these girls are working construction jobs and not really getting paid any money to bike. Yeah, And that's like, that's so wild to me. Yeah. That's it's so bizarre, but yeah, I think you're a hundred percent right. Like 10 years behind is probably pretty accurate. I mean, it's, it's getting better. Like we're starting to get to that point. Like there's certain people out there that are pushing the, you know, the Tony Seagraves on the race side, the, I mean, Vero Sandler's, the, the people who get people to actually like commit to them as a human being and be like, okay, like their riding is fucking sick. They seem like cool people. I want to like, I want to follow their careers. I think that's a big yeah. step for mountain biking as a whole too, because otherwise like what, what are we doing? Like, how do we get to that next step? You know, like how, how do, totally. how does the sport progress as a whole if it's just a bunch of dudes. Like it, it doesn't, there's no, there's gotta be a cap at some point where it's like, we're not growing anymore. And honestly, we've been at that cap for a while and you're seeing more and more women, like even like, I don't know, at the shop, like we never used to sell, we used to sell like two nice women's bikes, two nice women's mountain bikes a year. And now it's like, sell, I don't know, it's still not as many as the men's bikes, but like you're selling 20, you know? So it's just not the same same level i guess everybody's willing to like accept the fact that like okay like this is a fucking thing we want to do and i think that that's really cool the 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 space for women in the industry is growing every single year and i think that's a cultural shift too as well as a shift in mountain biking right like it's not it's in action sports across the board not just in bikes yep i agree if you market to women we're gonna buy your product 
Yeah. And if you're showing me like wheels on the ground, that's not how I ride my bike. I want to see Hannah Bergman and Kate. <laughs> like, I need to see that in your marketing material. Like, yeah. don't make it soft, make it aspirational. We need the other stuff too. But like, yeah, the aspirational stuff is what we strive to do. And, and I, I think my biking probably personally has grown so much because I have like a pretty good, like posse of women that I ride with here in mm. Tahoe that I'm like on their wheel. And like it happened the other day we were riding and some jumps and I always draw behind my friend Mish. She's like biking a little bit more year round. And like, she's the one that I follow. And like this guy tried to come in and hang on her tire. And I like totally cut him off. And I was like, I'm so sorry. It's a codependency thing. Like I just <laughs> love following her. If I'm following you, like I don't trust you as much as when I follow Mish. But, um, I think like, Oh, pardon. There's a little bit of a lawnmower. Can you hear that? No, that's the second interview in a row that there's lawnmowers going on. Tim Johnson was just on a minute ago and he was like, there's lawnmowers. I got to run. Like he's like running yeah. around his house. No, I can't um, hear a lawnmower. But the part of biking where like I compare the two industries and I think something that could help them grow is you're seeing TGR and Matchstick come into biking and making these bike videos. Yeah. And then like, but where's the like, so for me, the way that I've like single-handedly met so many people and signed posters for them is like at the movie premiere that in-person mm. connection. And like, there's not really that in the bike community. No. Like it's starting to happen, but like, what if you made, like, we were joking. We're like, okay, you make a video, it goes on pink bike and then it disappears. But where's 100%. like the high production, like really good quality movie that like then has a whole tour and is on Netflix or whatever it is. Like think big, like don't think these small little edits. Like we, I want to see that stuff. And I also want to meet the person who's the writer. Yeah. I think that's something they could take from snow sports. Like that's still tradition for us. Like every year we go to the premiere, we get fired up, we get the autographs. Like I've been on the other end of it. When I met Lynn Hill, I was like shaking in line. Yeah. Mind you, this was like three or four years ago, but I had like my parents flanking <laughs> me and I was like quivering, like so nervous, so red in the face, couldn't fucking speak. I was like, this is my biggest hero. Like the only person <laughs> in my life that I've ever been nervous to meet. All my friends are climbers, like Emily Harrington. They're all watching me and they're like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, this is like a big moment. Like I'm meeting my hero. <laughs> so I think that goes a long way too. I think they could start shifting that and and you know there are obviously like these bigger production companies making movies but like i want to see that movie come to tahoe and i want to go and meet the people and hang yeah. with them that's cool yeah it just doesn't it doesn't happen you're absolutely right it doesn't happen in mountain biking as much which is funny because there's more money in mountain biking and cycling in general than there is in skiing for sure like there's just like there's more money spread around throughout so many different things and maybe that's the reason is that it's so spread around through a million different people but yeah, movies all the time come out and they're absolutely insane and they just live on pink bike and then they disappear. I actually think yeah. I was having this conversation with a friend the other day. Like I feel like in a lot of ways pink bike kills movies and a lot of the stuff that comes out like it's a content machine like they're always pumping out stuff because anybody can put stuff up there, but mm -hmm. it doesn't stay long enough for it to actually like hold its value for a long period of time. So, like, totally. you can go and you can film this thing, and it can cost a bunch of money to film. And unless it's, like, a Semina video, like, it doesn't – it just doesn't do the same thing, right? And there's yeah. no other way to find it because if you look up, like, mountain bike video on YouTube, there's four bajillion mountain bike videos, right? There's no way to actually, like, access that content, especially yeah. if you start talking about movie premieres. And people being able to go, like, buy a physical movie, download it, watch it, like, get it on their big screen at home – or 
go to a tour, meet their, meet the people that they actually want to meet, right? Like meet their totally. heroes. Like it just doesn't exist. Yeah. Like go to Chucky bike park and get to jam with all the riders and watch yeah. them ride in person, then have an outdoor screening, like brilliant. Hello. Yeah. Um, I also think it's interesting that like, I don't want to like stretch the truth, but I don't think there's like a single, well, maybe Vero now is kind of like more film oriented, but yeah. like, is there a single female mountain biker that shares my same job description? Like my, I go out and I film, I do a lot of other stuff too, but I come out with a movie or some project every single year. And then I go on tour and do the thing. And like, if we created that space, then these free riders would have a better outlet. And then maybe there'd be more money on the women's side of things to like help them progress too. But like, yeah, yeah. they need that outlet, but I don't know, like Simonuk's a smart athlete. I look at all these athletes. I'm like, Oh, Simonuk, like, owns his own production company. Yeah. He owns all his own footage. If you want to buy footage of him, you're buying it from him. He's the athlete. He's creating it. Like yeah. that's pretty cool business model. Yeah. And I think there, there needs to be more of that too, right? Where the athlete controls their own content. I think that that's really, really huge. <clears throat> there shouldn't really be a situation to me, unless you're getting like really decked out for it where your like content is owned by somebody else because you're doing the shit like that. You're doing all of the actual work. You're doing the, all the legwork to get to that point you're doing the like it it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me but i also hate the conversation that there isn't money in mountain biking that can go to women that can go to athletes and because there is like there totally is it just goes to the wrong places it goes to stupid campaigns that nobody looks at on facebook and like does a couple impressions so that somebody's dad goes and buys a five thousand dollar Santa Cruz or S works or whatever the fuck, you know, like that, that kind of yeah. stuff should be going into the athletes because they're used in every bit of marketing material and mountain biking on every poster, in every bike shop, in every ad, when a thing comes out. Right. And it just, yeah, it just doesn't happen. Like it's, it's just not, it's such a broken model, but like, but in a different way than skiing, skiing's got its own shit, but like, this is a broken model in its own right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I always go to like, okay, then what can we as athletes do to fix that and take some ownership over how we can approach that stuff? Like we straight up hosted a business meeting during formation. I was like, okay, like all hands on deck. Actually, (laughs) Alex, Alex Showerman was like, yo, do you want to do this business meeting with me? And like, just talk Turkey with the girls. Cause like we kept having individual conversations where I'm like, oh man, like y'all just like are taking contracts for like no money and like a free bike and signing a contract for that. Like we can't do that. Like collectively we all need to like, no, I'm not going to do this for free. Your bike is not money in my pocket. I'm going bankrupt. Like I need money. And like for companies too, like, like start them out small and grow that relationship, but like give money. Like there's girls that are like, I want to be better at this. I want to dedicate like my life to this, but I have to go work this construction job. And then I'm too tired to like progress on my bike and they're getting burnt out. So, but okay. As an athlete, like the one thing that I think we can do is take initiative and like say no and stand up for ourselves and own our worth and be like, this is why. And this is how I'm going to benefit your company. This is how our relationship can work. And that takes some thought process. And it also takes some courage too, because you want, you mm-hmm. don't want to walk from your free bike, but yeah, everybody's got to do it though. Like everybody's yeah. got to have that mindset where it's like, like I do that with this fucking show. Like I'm like, I don't do shit for free anymore. Like I'm like, it's yeah. not a thing. Like I'm doing the work. We're promoting you. 
Like, if you want to not pay, eat ass. Like, I'm good. I don't want, like, I don't want to do this. It's not my interest. And I agree. There is a certain time when, like, okay, you're starting out. You need a couple bucks. You need a bike. It was a bike you were going to buy anyway. Uh, like, I get that part of it, but there becomes a point where because you took something for free, now the company just wants to keep giving it to you for free, right? Or because the company yeah. knows they can give it to somebody else for free, they will. And it's just like, it's so ridiculous to me, but I think shit like that needs to happen where you guys all talk you're like, this is what we're making. This is why, this is what I did to get to that point. And yeah. it's huge. Like it, every time somebody asks me like what we make, how we ask for stuff, like how we, like what our pitch deck looks like, I just send them everything. Like, I'm like, here's what we do. Here's everything. Like, because, yeah. and I tweeted today about that. And Rogi was like, who is, who is this about? And it's like, I think he's just assuming it's about him, but like, <laughs> totally he was a hundred percent. But I, uh, it's, it's just insane. We have to just share information with each other. So we know, like I texted somebody from new schoolers the other day to find out what they were charging for a certain thing. And they just answered like that. That's yeah. it. It's, it's great to be able to have that conversation but it definitely doesn't happen enough in mountain biking or skiing for that matter, because everybody's just afraid to like, I don't know, make somebody feel bad if they're making more money or be like, I don't know, like feel bad about themselves because they didn't ask for enough. And I, it shouldn't be that way. It really shouldn't. I think those conversations, I mean, even for them, it was like a lot of it was really basic. Like this is how you structure a contract. These are yeah. like, you want, like, you want to get paid. You want like a retainer, you want some travel and project support. And then you also should get incentivized. Cause that's like, if you're checking off those incentives, it's proving that the, the work you're doing is paying off. And like, that's just, that's generally like the basics of how you structure like a contract with your company. And then furthermore, like have like goals outlined, like what's your mission statement? Why are you doing this? Make sure that that's super clear. But like, it was so much of the basics. I'm like, man, you don't learn this stuff. Like I went through the ringer and learned a bunch of it, but it wasn't until the last, like, I don't know, like honestly the last probably five or six years of my career right. where I really took the reins and was like, Oh, I can go ask Red Bull to have my own show. Awesome. That's what I want to do. And like kind of started going after it with a new mentality. It took me a long time to learn it, but I love when I get a phone call from like a random skier person who's like, I need help with this. And I'm like, I got you. Like, yeah, this is sure. how I've done it. And I think there's a cultural shift right now where like, there's, I have a formula. It's not the same as your formula. It's not the same as Alex. It's not the same as Brooklyn bell. Like I love conversing with everyone. I'm right. like, Oh, you just went and asked for that. Like, that's epic. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's just different ways to go about it. And if we do communicate and have like these open conversations, we're all better for it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, there's, there's a lot of different places pushing for that to happen more and more. And I think that that's really important. Like, even if like you listen to the bomb hole, right. And it's like one of their typical questions is like, let's talk about it. Like, let's talk about how much money you're making specifically. And I think that there's a place for that. I don't love that approach so much, but I love the individual or group setting of having that conversation, right? Because it should be talked about. Like it, it needs to be talked about. Otherwise everybody's going to get taken advantage of and you can't fault the companies for that so much because they're just going to take whatever they have to work with and use it to their best of their, use it to the best of their abilities. Right. And yeah. I think everybody wants to make the companies be the bad guy, and they're not necessarily, they just, you're not going to get what you don't ask for. And yeah. that's, that's really where it's at in a lot of ways. Totally. Yeah. And then having like, 
boundaries too with it. Like, okay, I don't really want to do this paid Instagram post, but I'll do it for this much. Then it's worth it. And then stick to your guns. Like, yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot of value there, but I do love that conversation. I love Mm -hmm. learning from people. Like we had an open discussion with like 20 girls in the room and, and just kind of ping ponged off each other. And we all have different ways, but ultimately I felt like what I wanted them to leave with is I just wanted them to feel empowered to like stand up for themselves because it's hard. It's really hard. Especially when you have no idea and you don't know your worth. And when you're starting, like, right? Like when it's new and you're like, shit, like I don't even know if I belong here. Right? Yeah. Like that's yeah. that's so insane. And like, especially like initially, initially, where you're like, I can't believe anybody's paying me at all. Like I can't believe anybody wants to give me money, period. Never mind how yeah. much I should ask for. And you're like, thank you so much. I feel it's so it's such an honor <laughs> yeah. to be here. Thank you so much. Like, I would do anything to be here. And like, no, no, we can't do that. Like, yeah. you gotta get paid to be there. You gotta have a day rate established. Yeah, be <laughs> yeah, be psyched to be there for sure. Like, never lose that part. Like, that part's extremely important. Like, I don't for give sure. a sh- like I personally don't like money. Like, I think it's I don't like I'm not a money hungry person at all, but you need to ask for it. Like you need it to live, you need it to survive. And you don't want to be in a position where everybody else is doing okay. And you're like, oh, fuck, I shouldn't have taken that contract. Like now I'm pigeonholed and I can't, I can't take this opportunity because I have this sponsor or this sponsor. And it's just, that's it. It's such a huge part of the outdoor industry because you're really making your living off of sponsors, not racing, not like, there's not events that are paying you that much money anymore. Like that stuff doesn't exist to the same extent that it did 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Like winning X games is not going to get you like, it's not going to do it for you. You know, winning rampage is not the end all be all like, and that's the pinnacle. Right. So it's just, it's yeah. People need to, I don't want to be the dead horse, but people need to kind of figure out their worth and, and ask for it. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. And then I also think like approaching it with this like wider lens of like, I'm not just an athlete, but like, what can I give back to the community? Um, I recently like did some writing. I sent it to Hadley hammers, uh, website. I don't know if you're a part of that, but yeah. And she does like a weekly newsletter. And I've been thinking about that a lot, like what drives you and what makes like a good athlete. And I'm like, man, we can totally celebrate the people that are doing the first ascents that are like, accomplishing these major things but like there's a huge risk tolerance there and it's dangerous for sure but like what if rather than like raising them up on this huge pedestal is if we're like also congratulating and celebrating the pillars of our community and the people that are giving back mm. and 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 we need that and i think that is like a cultural shift that we're hopefully like we're experiencing right now within our sports is like because who's actually selling products? Like, I think about that too. You look at an athlete roster and you're like, okay, which one of these people are actually selling product? And where does that money, where can that be redistributed? Like I only buy product in the bike world from people that are supporting my friends that are riding. For sure. Like I'm a conscious buyer. And I think that probably is the same for a lot of women and and men too. And all genders, like, I think that's probably pretty true. Right. And so if you're not being marketed to, and you're not seeing yourself in these advertisements, like you're not going to support that brand. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Yeah. There's brands that I buy shit from that. I'm just like, I only bought it because I know an athlete that is sponsored by that brand. And I'm like, dude, this shit's dope. Like I'm in hundred percent. Like, but you know, that product can be a dime a dozen. It can be a beanie, but you're buying that beanie from that company because they support this athlete. Right. Like that's a real thing. And it happens so often. And I think that gets overlooked a lot of times for like the paid Instagram post, right? That's a thing that I'm like, and I was going to ask you, 
Like, do you think that's even valuable right now? Like, I, I obviously sharing it, wearing it, you know, being part of the product, whatever, being a good brand representative. But like, you see so many of these paid Instagram posts now, and I'm just like, is this valuable? Like, the engagement sucks on it always. Like on yeah. social, like it's horrible, and. I don't know that people believe in it anymore. Like I think people like the consumer is past that where they're like, yeah. you can't just like hold a can up and be like Sierra Nevada. Like that doesn't like, it doesn't fly to the same, like the same way anymore. Yeah, I agree. I think that's an interesting thing. Um, Cause it depends on the collaboration. I've only done two in my career. Yeah. The first one was with Rainier gin yeah. and uh, yeah, Rainier beers makes Rainier gin, <laughs> but they were like, well, it was like a relatively good pay. And they're like, just yeah. come up with an awesome recipe. And I was like, the Ramus gin fizz is my dad's favorite drink. I would love to learn how to make that pain in the ass to make, but very fun also. Yeah. But it was like, actually like I enjoyed making it. And I was like, I yeah. hope people like this. Like, this is pretty fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's money in the pocket of the athlete. Yeah. And I'm saying athlete. I'm not saying like a, a person of influence. I'm I'm like, mm. I really, I think that that to me, an athlete really does drive sales. Um, but if it, it's got to be authentic and genuine. And I think a lot of these Instagram things are like pretty, uh, you can see through them, especially when like everyone now has these weird paid things. I'm like, that's my friend's mom. Why is she selling this on Instagram? Like yeah. some company offered her a hundred dollars to do an advertisement. I'm like, why did we all turn into billboards? Yeah. Like we're I going get back it. That's to Tupperware parties. Like we're going back to like where we're selling. Yeah. Like it's crazy. Like it's, it's very yeah. weird. Everybody's an influencer at every level. Yeah. It's so bizarre. I don't think it's healthy. I like, I really want to keep a healthy relationship with it because it is such a big part of our job. And in that respect, I also think it's really fun. And I also think yeah. it's an opportunity to represent yourself. Actually, I was listening to your podcast with uh, that biker who is a pretty big social media success. Um, what was his name? Mm. He's like huge on TikTok, Christopher. Oh, uh, Christian Pepper. Christian Pepper. Yeah. yeah. Really I like went and followed him. I was like, I'm pretty curious now. Like I'm looking into this, like what yeah. do you, and then I was like, it can be fun. And he's like clearly making a livelihood at it. Like yeah. maybe I can like work on that more and be more dedicated and figure it out, but keeping it fun, like not yeah. stressing about it. Yeah. He's not stressing. He said he was making like 10 grand or 15 grand on fucking TikTok. Like what? Like that's <laughs> Like I would kill to make that much money on TikTok. Like what? That's why. That is why I got on TikTok because yeah. because you, your podcast. I was like, okay, that's the no that's way. the straw that broke the camel's back. Oh god! But I don't so understand bad. that app. Like, no, it doesn't I, work. It's it's, it's broken. It. I don't get it. Like I'll post. I literally posted like my busted up ski bases, and that's got a bajillion views and likes and whatever. But like real content will get like three likes, you know, five likes, eight likes. It's yeah. so stupid. I don't, I don't get it. I don't necessarily like it, but I mean, I'm going to try, I mean, 10, 15 grand, like I can pay for whatever I need to do with that. You know, like that's totally, it's, uh, it's I think great. it's pretty funny now. Like I actually think I'm starting to think of it right now as like a total joke. Cause I don't get it. So I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't know, put up a Kendama video yesterday and like, <laughs> what's going to be today? I don't know. <laughs> and people are like famous on TikTok and you'll have no idea who they are on any other platform or in real life. And you're just like, yeah. where did these people come from? Like they just came out of the woodworks, especially. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm never going to get it. I'm never going to understand. I don't think, but we're going to keep trying, I guess. But, um, last thing I kind of yeah, want to talk yeah. to you about is like, it, do you think, and almost because you brought it up, do you think 
the influencer is hurting the athlete or do you think the athlete is kind of transitioning into an influencer? Like, I guess that's a, that's a thing that I struggle with a lot is like, I never want to shit on the way somebody makes money at all, because, especially athletes, because like, you got to do everything you can to make sure that you're okay. Like in the event of an injury, in the event of something happens, like you, you need that money, right? Like you need to make a career out of it and you need to make it last past your athletic prime. Does the influencers of the world like have a negative effect on that? Like, I guess, I don't know. It, it makes me wonder if everybody's being incentivized too much to be an influencer as opposed to being an athlete. Right. Or if everybody's being pushed towards being influencers as opposed to like committing to an athletic career. Yeah. Valid question. And I've always kept those two words separate. And that's probably part of my own insecurity when thinking about like being an influencer. Like when someone calls me an influencer, like it hurts a little bit. I'm like, shit, I got five knee surgeries, lost countless friends. Like I've dedicated my life to this sport. Like it means a lot to me to be called and referred to as an athlete. Um, but I do think that there's money to be had there that can be supplemental income for people that like, don't necessarily have those good sponsorship deals. I think that exactly like, I don't want to hate on people making a living, but like when it first started, I remember like some of the top, like free skiers in my mind, women that were friends of mine were like straight up not getting deals. Cause those were going to influencers and that kind of sucked to hear. Yeah. You're like, really? you think that person's going to sell more gear than this like female athlete that's like hitting the biggest cliffs out of anyone like that doesn't make and you're not getting support for it. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. So I think it's I think that companies should choose wisely. I feel like we've gone past this like moment where everyone was jumping on the influencer train, like all the companies were like doing that. And I feel like that kind of sorted itself out a little bit. There's still a ton of influencers that are making really good livings doing it. And yeah, I mean, if that's your way, that's your way. Tough question. I'm not for it. It doesn't work on me as far as marketing goes. I'd rather support athletes and people that are out there making cool stuff happen and, and also making change and have interesting things to talk about. Like if you're a person that stands for something and you've got like an interesting thing th- that I want to read about, then that's like, that sets you apart to me than just like, mm. hi, I'm here selling this product and I'm in my bikini and this is what I'm doing. Like, yeah. I don't know. There's a bit of separation, but I do also think that, and this is an open discussion that I, I don't know my thoughts entirely on it, but like, uh, I guess like this is in my realm of the influencer athlete thing, like for women, like, I don't think the ripple effect of like selling your body has been good for our culture and society as a whole. I think about the like, yeah, mental issues that like young women have and men too, um, or anyone uh, with regards to like your body. And I think about like all of that being in your face all the time and like on your phone and I haven't quite wrapped my head around it, but like, I I don't do it because I just don't want some, well, I don't know. I I just want to be a good influence. And like, if, if I think about my 12 year old self and what inspired me, like if I was getting photos of this type of stuff all the time, it it, it definitely would have an effect on like my body image and my self-confidence. And, Mm. and so I, I do think about that, that does tie into that a little bit on a broader scale and I don't hate on it either but I just want people I just hope that our society like comes out on top of all this social media stuff yeah no I agree I think they almost should be separate like and I think budgets should be separated 
accordingly for that, right? Like, I think there should be an athlete budget, and there should be an like a budget for like the influencers and the because influencer influencer marketing is literally just marketing, right? It's it's just a it's a way to put money, and I don't know, we're kind of in this position, right, where we we do podcasts, we do like social content, like all this stuff is included in what I do here, what everybody at the collective does. And that's really important, but I never want it to come out of, I want it to be written into a budget for us. Right. Like that's, and when I have conversations with ski brands, with sock brand, like, like with companies, you have that conversation where it's like, look, here's the marketing aspect of what we're doing for you. And we look at ourselves like media. And I think influencers kind of have that same, and I've seen a lot of influencer pitch decks and they're the same. They look very similar to a media deck, right? So I think it needs to be look at looked at like advertising as opposed to athlete support, right? Because yeah. they're very different things. Like they're they're totally different things. Totally. Because you're supporting an athlete and you're using their image and you're using them as an athlete, but you're not doing the same thing to an influencer. An influencer, as soon as they're not popular to you anymore, like it's just like they're fucking gone. Like it's not, and you see it with companies all the time. They just don't have the same commitment to it. So yeah. uh, there's value in every way, but I just think it's, I don't know. It's a different, it, it should be a different conversation, I think. Yeah. And I mean, it is a valid livelihood all of a sudden, like you can make good money being an influencer. And if that's your way, then like, yeah, I have no problem with it. I just really want to see like these uh, women that are at the top of their sport competing and doing the thing in formation get paid. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Like, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Same. Um, all right, Michelle, I'm going to let you get out of here. Uh, we got Michaela coming in in a minute. Um, what, where can people find you? Where can people follow you on Instagram? Um, where, where can people <laughs> connect with you in general? I mean, it's, you got to do it. Um, yeah, that's, that's basically it. Where can people find you on the, on the net? Totally. Shout out to my new account on TikTok. Um, all of my <laughs> accounts on Twitter, TikTok, and uh, Instagram are at Michelle Parker, M-Y-S-H-E-L-L-P-A-R-K-E-R. Michelle Parker was taken. That is not how I spell my name, but I think it sounded cool at the time. <laughs> yeah, there you go. When you Or but, reach out to me. Send me a DM. I yeah. love having sidebar conversations. I love that. Um, yeah, when I go, uh, by the way, when I Googled you like a minute ago, I was like, cause whenever I have somebody on again, I just like Google their name and see if they're like in recent shit. The first like five articles that came up is a missing Michelle Parker. And for a split second, yeah. I was like, Oh God, like that's bad. And then, you know, it's not obviously not you because we've been talking about doing this interview, but yeah, 10 year anniversary of Michelle Parker gone missing was like a couple months ago. And I was like, Holy fuck, like this is crazy. And then I'm reading all these articles and then it's 10 minutes before we do an interview. And I'm like, fuck, I haven't sent the email yet so um i appreciate i know i was about to tweet you i was like <laughs> yeah get off twitter it. where's this zoom link <laughs> yeah get a yeah get off twitter get off instagram and start sending doing your job um yeah i i appreciate the time as always um i'll send you everything this is gonna come out next week so um we'll uh we'll get it out there Wait, better than connecting with me on social. I know this doesn't happen for anybody and everybody, but let's get outside together and like just connect with me in person. Are you down That's with that? Like, do you like when people come up to you and are just like, look, can we ride bikes? Like, is it, does so that happen? Down. I love having conversations with everyone. When someone says what up, I'm like, whoa. You're hey, so many cool. people's, you probably make so many people nervous, like from afar, just because like you're a lot of people's hero. Like you really are. Like you're a lot of people's like idol in skiing and outdoors. Like so many people look up to you. So that's like, 
probably a really nice thing for people to hear is that they can just come say hi and it's totally okay. That's an invitation. Totally. Come up. All right. Come up. Come uh, come up to Michelle Parker. Ask her to go ride bikes to the grocery store. Um, <laughs> thank you. Appreciate the time, as always. Thank you. We'll it's an soon. honor being back. I've been waiting for this day. <laughs> <laughs> Not long, too. I feel like we should do this more often. We will. We'll do it. Uh, we'll do it again in the fall or something before we have mo- movies come out, and we'll do that. That way, we I can, love it. We'll do that stuff. All right. Cool, Michelle. Bye. We'll talk to you soon. It's been real. Ciao.